Welcome to Ottawa Valley Community Church, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. Woven into the story of Christmas and uh, Old Testament prophecy about the coming of the Messiah is a deep longing for a good and wise king to come and rule the Jewish people and to come and rule the world. In the story of the Magi, we have wise men uh, from Persia following a star with camels and caravans and coming uh, to meet the newborn king, the king of the Jews, and as we heard earlier, to bow and to worship him. Uh, To us, the idea of having a king Uh, conjures up some positive and some negative images. Um, This year we lost that beautiful positive model of a sovereign in Queen Elizabeth, someone of great uh, faithfulness and character and and generosity. Uh, But for some, the idea of a sovereign or a king uh, means dictatorship, obscene wealth, selfishness, self-centeredness, abuse, and entitlement. It's a concept that is outdated and outmoded and not something we would really wish on ourselves uh, politically in our situation. Does anybody here really want a king? But for our purposes tonight, let's just imagine that a king is a good king. And for our purposes tonight, looking at the story of Jesus and who he is, let's propose the idea that Jesus in coming as a king Uh, is coming to be a good and kind and glorious and righteous leader for his people. Let's propose that definition of king as leader. And I think that idea of inviting a leader is uh, something that we can resonate with. Uh, I remember the first time uh, I really recognized uh, the need for a leader And that people really need that uh, was actually probably similar circumstances to you as kids, maybe in the classroom. For me, it was in a dressing room, in a locker room. Uh, Anyone who grew up in central Saskatchewan in a rural area grew up as a bit of a rink rat. And that was me. I was a rink rat. Spent a lot of time uh, at the rink playing hockey. And I remember uh, this one day when uh, we were playing, and for some reason, maybe I was injured, I can't remember the exact circumstances, but I was uh, not dressing with the rest of the team, but I had to be there, I was in the locker room, so I was just distant enough to notice what was going on. We had this great coach, a guy named Jim Stanick, and, uh, and he was just a good, solid coaching presence, and often there were parents around. But in this circumstance, uh, for some reason, Uh, The parents had sort of drifted out of the locker room, and Coach Stanek wasn't there. And all of a sudden, um, just becoming aware of what was going on in the room, without any leaders or parents there, something began to shift. As you know that can, it started getting a little bit louder. The tying of the skates sort of slowed down a little bit and lost focus. Um, And it's almost like I can see the scene like a movie, Uh, There was this sort of pregnant pause, this moment of stillness in the room. Somebody said some very inappropriate words. 
Somebody chucked a ball of hockey tape and things went crazy. It was nuts. We, people were throwing tape and beating each other with sticks and sword fights. And uh, it, uh, it unfolded like that with wedgies and wrestling and mayhem going on in our locker room. And that was until Coach Stanek entered the room again and saw that we weren't dressed, the team wasn't there, uh, the team wasn't ready to be let out on the ice. And we saw what it was like to be left without a moral presence in the room, without a leader in the room. I still remember him coming in the door, his face red, with my arm around the neck of one of my best buddies trying to have him in a chokehold. And I knew that wasn't a good moment. Um, I can hear his bellow. And I remember the practice uh, afterwards with a lot of skating drills and not much else. Um, so a world that doesn't acknowledge and seek leadership, that doesn't acknowledge and seek the leadership of a good God is like that classroom. And we've seen that in history. We see it in novels like Lord of the Flies. When leadership is not present, uh, chaos reigns. And the Bible's really clear about that. It's clear about our need for leadership. Uh, in 1 Kings 22, 27, um, back in 874 BC, before the time uh, of Jesus by over 875 years, um, in the time of King Ahab, the prophet Micaiah said this, he said, And I saw all the Israeli nation scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Uh, it's prophesied in Isaiah 53, 5 to 6, 100 years later, but still 750 years before Christ. We have this beautiful uh, passage that we've read over the Christmas and Advent celebration. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. What is the wound? What is it that needs healing? Why are we broken? Why is Jesus coming in this way? Well, it's because we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, of our wandering. Ezekiel 34, 5, this is later, after the people have been judged and they're away in exile. It says this, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. They became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched and looked for them. And then we see this in Jesus' own heart in his ministry in Mark 6, 4, this desire to be our shepherd, this desire to be our leader. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. That's added from Matthew 9. Like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. There were things they needed to know. How badly do we need a shepherd as sheep? To lead us, to guide us, to keep us from the beasts, uh, to keep us from the dangers we face when we go our own way, uh, to keep us from living lives that could be described as harassed or helpless without the help of him, without the help of our shepherd. Uh, you know what I don't hear, though, in those verses. I don't hear a leader who is selfish or who is entitled or who is domineering. I hear 
self-sacrifice. He was pierced for our transgressions. I hear a God who is hurt in his heart, hurt like he feels our lostness. They are without a leader. I hear compassion and I hear love. And I know we as humans, we fear and we mistrust leadership and authority. Um, Do you think we could trust this king though? I think we can. Could we trust him to lead us to true security, uh, to provision and to peace? So there are three ways that I think he wants to lead us. Um, And these are are just the basics of walking out our life with him. One, there are boundaries. He wants to set boundaries for us, uh, for our movement through life. As much as we try to be cool and we say that the Bible is not a book of rules, um, there are some very beautiful ways in which it is. There are some very beautiful ways in which there are some rules. There are some boundaries for us. It isn't just a rule book. We don't follow the rules in a religious way to get him to notice us, to get him to like us more, or in any way to earn our salvation. Uh, But we see those rules, those guidelines as wisdom that are there uh, to protect us, to give us guidance. It's clear, it's common sense. There are things in the scripture that we really can't argue, and they're there to keep us from harm and to keep us uh, in a place of joy. Uh, There are boundaries on our tongues. Do not lie. There is boundaries on our sexuality. There are boundaries around uh, how we spend our money that require us to live in a different way. All of those things, all of those ways of different living are there to enhance our way of living. There are ways to protect us. There are ways to guide us. And parents uh, who know Uh, the story of their children, know that those boundaries that you set as parents, those things that you do that are consistent in terms of your discipline, in terms of outlining what is right and wrong and good and bad for your children to do, those things don't harm your children. Those things actually help them and they bring them comfort and they bring them a sense of security and they bring them a sense of peace. Any kid who has played uh, hockey on the street or uh, soccer in the churchyard knows that the game goes better when you know where the goalposts are and where the boundaries are. That may be negotiated with some vigor at the beginning of the game, but we're so much happier when we know uh, how that works. Psalm 19.7 says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. It's more than just it's good for us. It actually revives our soul. It actually strengthens us. It actually gives life to us. It doesn't just protect us, but relieves us from uncertainty and fear. Uh, To give ourselves some places where we simply know we can't go, to have some places that are off bounds for us, it is a good and healthy thing for us to have some of our choices reduced for us, to have some options limited. It's a good thing. He also wants to guide us by our eyes. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, we hear him saying, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. We could do 10 sermons on this, but as we read the Gospels and observe 
uh, the way of Jesus, the way he speaks, the way he talks, the way he interacts with his world, the way he engages with people, the way he behaves, uh, we see that there is a model that we can follow. We have to dig into the scriptures to see this. We have to read the gospels. We have to know our Bibles. We have to engage with the story of Jesus. But as we get to know him, uh, we learn to imitate him. We learn to follow him, and our lives are better for it. Uh, you remember uh, watching the children uh, dancing uh, for the song at the family Christmas service just a few days ago. And I remember watching Anna at the front doing all the moves and the actions for the kids to follow. And they followed them sort of imperfectly, but they followed them. They had a leader, and you could see their eyes riveted on her. And that should be a picture of us, our eyes riveted on Jesus to follow him and to see him and to do life as he's done it. And then he wants to guide us by his voice. He wants to lead us by his voice. Uh, in John 10, 7, it says this, My sheep know my voice. I know them. And they follow me. We're also meant to live prophetic lives. We're also meant to live lives of listening to God and allowing his Holy Spirit to guide us. Uh, many of you have heard my testimony. It was actually uh, this night, December 23rd in 1988 when the Lord first spoke to me, when I first knew that he was allowed to do that. Um, and, uh, and he called me into ministry in that moment. Now, that didn't mean that I all of a sudden uh, could follow that, and I knew what that meant. It meant years of preparation and people to help verify that calling and people to help test it and many, many books to read and classes to take and, and in many cases, uh, joys and pains in the journey of figuring out what that call to ministry meant. But those few words that God spoke to me uh, as a shepherd to a sheep in those days set me on a trajectory that has led me uh, up the hills and down the valleys and through pains and glories uh, to be here tonight and to be following him and trying to follow him with my whole life. So God wants to be our leader. He wants to lead us by setting boundaries, by our eyes as we observe him, and by our ears as we hear him and as we listen to him. So we can work with the body and the scriptures to test and discern and to know and to follow that voice of the Lord. And you'll remember that story of the Magi um, that Simon's mom read earlier, uh, their journey to Herod's palace and their realization that they needed to press on, that they couldn't stop in that place. They needed to keep following the star uh, to find Jesus. In the heart of that text, Matthew 2, verses 9 to 11, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. They saw the child, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Those wise men had two kings from which they could choose. And I want to tell us tonight that that choice is before every one of us, every day. That choice is given us to listen to the voice of the Herods or to become Herods ourselves or to follow the child. 
Will we live our lives in the courts of Herod? Will we become our own Herods? Will we play politics? Will we struggle for power? Will we struggle for our control? Will we struggle for money? Will we curry favor? Uh, Will we try to eke out a blessing from the powers that be? Will we struggle for our own power and influence? Or will we find the child king, meek and mild, lying in a manger? Will we find the meek one who would give his life for the sins of us all? Would we find the king that was crowned with thorns? And would we bow before him? And would we follow him? The question uh, Robert asked us earlier is before each one of us, will we bow? Or is the reality of your life such that even as a Christian, you and I are just doing our own thing and making our own decisions and we're sort of rubber stamping it with holy words? Or are we people who are truly led by the Lord? Truly followers of Christ, seeking him, following his word, imitating him. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says this, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, a child king. And on the government and on his shoulders will be the government. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Will we simply surrender and let him be our prince, our king of peace? He has been our savior, and we know that he died on the cross to save us from our sins, but will we also let him be our Lord? Will we also let him be our king? And if you're here tonight and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, can you hear his voice saying into the chaos of the world, into the chaos of your life, and into the pain and to the struggle with which you deal, into the darkness that's around you, can you hear the voice of the king calling out to you, oh, sheep, I have compassion on you. I love you. I care for you. Will you let me lead you? Will you let me lead you into the good life that I have planned for you? Not a perfect life, not a life of prosperity necessarily, not a life without bumps and bruises, but a life of goodness that comes when we come to follow him. If you're here tonight and you need to accept this Jesus as your savior, I invite you to make that decision in your heart and share it with a friend and let us just walk that journey with you. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Community Church, visit ovchurch.ca.